Hi, and welcome to this episode of Our Guest Is, presented by My East Coast Experience Media in partnership with RBC. Our Guest Is introduces us to a resilient group of people commonly known or referred to as immigrants, but probably better described as entrepreneurs, community builders, and survivors. And in each episode, we're going to hear about their journey and how they came to Atlanta, Canada in their own words. And today our guest is Dr. Paul Benahini Ajay from Newfoundland. You're in Newfoundland today. So thank you so much for joining us. And, and Dr. Paul, you are an honoree of the Most Inspiring Immigrants in Atlanta, Canada 2022. So congratulations. And that's a My East Coast Experience Media initiative presented by RBC. So thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you very much, and thank you for having me. So a little bit of ba background um, on you, Dr. Paul. So you're originally from Ghana, um, and you're currently the dean and associate dean and professor and associate professor at Memorial University in Newfoundland. You know, you've, you've taught at universities and colleges from this coast to Toronto, and, uh, you know, you're a public speaker and a mentor. I mean, when I read your bio... I kind of got intimidated. So are you, is that something that commonly happens for you? Uh, I, I don't know about that. I mean, for me, it also, you know, it's about the, the humility, you know, in recognizing that my story wouldn't have been possible without the journey and the struggle that our forebearers made for us uh, in this place. Uh, I mean, Technically, we were not meant to be here. And so our stories today, you know, talks about the, the surviving spirit, you know, of, of our uh, people. But I think that in terms of what we've been able to do, it has to do with, you know, the fact that we stand on the shoulders of those who have been here before us. They prepared the way and therefore make the transition very easier for us. Uh, I don't know about people feeling intimidated about that. I I feel like they are just positions, you know. That you know, among the accounts of Ghana, we have a saying that it is not so much about what you are called; it's what you answer to that is really important. So you can be called with all these titles and all these things that you've been able to accomplish, but its impact on humanity is the most important thing. Mm -hmm. and one of the most interesting things uh, about you, Paul, is your journey from Ghana now to doing uh, social work and specializing in indigenous matters. And, and can you tell us a little bit about that? No, thank you very much. I, I think that for me, uh, the, the notion of my identity, my identity as you know, an indigenous uh, person who draw his uh, indigeneity from Africa has always been who I am. It's not something that I learned to acquire. It is, it's like my race, it's like my gender, it's like my sexuality, it's who I am. But I think that for me, why this is very important in the work that we do is that, you know, and here I take inspiration from uh, the, the wise words of my, one of my mentor, Professor George Day from University of Toronto, who mentioned some years ago that there is nothing like undercover scholar for a black person. And so what it means that my scholarship, you know, my activism must speak to my indebtedness to my community. And in this particular context, my identity as a black person and my identity as somebody who draw his indigeneity from Africa. But it is also 
speak broad, broadly in terms of the collective responsibilities that I have in terms of you know, building strong allies with indigenous communities in Canada, making sure that we work together to make this land better than you know is fun and by by way of you know addition i just i was just recently appointed as the interim associate vice president for indigenous research so that is another another position that i am carrying alongside my deanship but for me it is it is what we do as an individual what we stand for and what we represent it's not a job it's not a profession for me it is you know, a service. And that is what really matters to me because my work must speak to, you know, when, when you enter into a territory or a space, uh, just as the land has been generous and good in giving you the best of what it could offer, it is also part of our responsibility in making sure that we work together to make the place better than we find it. So investing in indigenization is for me it's a matter of principle, but it's also in a broadly speaking, it is what my identity represents every day. Yeah, and I love that connection between, you know, indigenous from Ghana and indigenous from Canada. And that connection that you're making is is very significant. And I think that is what's so surprising about your background and your experience and what you're doing now is is that it is kind of an, an unlikely pairing, but there is that similarity as you touched on. So is there something that you've learned um, and take with you that you've learned from elders in Newfoundland? Yes, I mean, uh, th- th- there is a lot that I have learned from the elders uh, in Newfoundland. Uh, you know, recently in our school, we engage in visiting this pilot project where we brought indigenous elders from various communities to come to School of Social Work and Memorial School in, in general to speak to us about issues around colonization, uh, decolonization and indigenization. But in many cases, anytime I have an opportunity of interacting with elders and knowledge keepers, it, it continues to remind me home in terms of my own interaction with my elders and the taking for granted knowledge and wisdom that we receive from elders. You know, there is a saying that, you know, you never know what you uh, you have until you start, you know, feeling a sense of you no know, nostalgia about it. So in terms of, you know, interaction with elders here, in many ways, it reminds me, you know, the things that I take for granted uh, when I am home, in Ghana and I am with my elders, the wisdom and the knowledge they gave me. But it also sort of remind me of what I'm also missing in terms of thinking broadly, what does it mean to be successful uh, for me as a black person who also drawn my African indigenization? And oftentimes uh, the conversation about our success stories has always been what we have been able to accomplish as individual or even as a collective. But what it doesn't come with a conversation is what we have to give up in order to be successful. And the part that reminds me of what I'm losing in many ways is that constant touch with my elders back home. And that is why I'm extremely grateful and very gracious when elders you know, of Newfoundland uh, help to fill the void because you know they they continue to carry the wisdom. You know, we we have a saying, you know, in my community in Ghana that when you don't have an elder to advise you and you are, you know, walking by somebody's 
you know, house and you hear an elder advising the young ones, you listen, you know, you, you have an eardrop and you take, you know, you take it. And so for me, having an opportunity of interacting with others here, I feel like they are filling the void, something that I am missing with my elders home. Yeah, so um, we were just talking about your community in Ghana. I mean, can you tell, take us back to young Dr. Paul, you know, and you, what was it like growing up for you? You know, thank you. I mean, I, I am an Ashanti. Uh, and Ashanti is one of the uh, major tribal groups in Ghana. But, you know, it belongs to an ethnic group called the Akans. But when we you know, are talking about our indigenous identity, as an Ashanti, it's not so much about the tribe or even the ethnic. We move on to the next stage where we talk about our clan. So I belong to the Bretu clan. Bretu clan is one of the nine clans, you know, among the Ashantis. And uh, we have the tiger as our totem. Now, growing up in Ghana, uh, there were several opportunities of, you know, listening to my elders because uh, elders have a, a very interesting way of, you know, communicating to us, you know, through proverbs, uh, using storytelling and riddles, you know, to guide us in terms of what we do. But the, the, the irony of it is that despite all the knowledge that I gain, you know, sitting with my elders, when I started the education system in Ghana, um, I wasn't encouraged to continue to uh, be interested and invest much time in the knowledge that I'm receiving from elders. As a matter of fact, the school system did everything possible to discourage me from those knowledge. You know, and I've in my own work, I've talked extensively about, you know, learning about Nagra Falls. Meanwhile, the Boutique Falls, which is in my, closer to my community where, you know, we were doing fishing and swimming, those were left out in you know in the in the conversation and and long before you know the west started talking about the idea about environmental protection uh, i was you know raised by an elders who taught me not to go to forest you know there are certain river banks that i am not supposed to play around because it's the sacred place of the of the gods and and also there are certain trees that in my communities, you were not even allowed to remove the bark from that tree for medicinal purpose unless you perform certain rituals. So we were made to understand that uh, ontologically speaking, uh, we are connected to you know a cosmos world, something that is bigger than ourselves, and that we are liable with you know to the gods and their ancestors. Yet the school system did everything possible to discourage us from you know, continue working with that knowledge. And so in many ways, the more successful I became in the school system in Ghana, the more I realized that I was losing everything in terms of what makes me uh, uh, an indigenous person to my community. I have shared my experience even having come to Canada and going back to have a conversation with my elders. And, you know, yes, my mom knows who is talking because you know, the voice and the body sounds like her son that left, you know, the shores of Ghana several years ago. Yet when she observed my madness, it felt like I am an imposter. 
you know, somebody, maybe an alien kidnap, you know, her son and, and replace it with another body. Because uh, every aspect of my cultural upbringing, I realized that I was losing it. I remember in one of the visits, I was at the chief palace talking to elders. And in my culture, it is extremely offensive to address elders using the left hand as a gesture. In fact, you can use the left hand basically in, in addressing the elders. Well, while I was talking to the elders, I noticed that one of my uncles was signaling me to put my hands down. And, and I was not aware of what is he trying to do. And then it occurred to me that apparently I was addressing the elders using the left hand as a gesture. Something that is, is just unacceptable. Well, I became aware for a split of a second, recheck myself. But I think that somehow, somewhere in the conversation, I went back to the left hand. And I said to myself, this is what pizza has done to me. You know, living in Canada and eating too much pizza. I'm losing what it makes me a whole. No, but but the, the truth is that that is the, the stories that we carry as immigrants living in this society. Uh, there are a lot of things that we are benefiting from this society. There are a lot of things that we are learning, but there's also a lot of things that we are missing. And so sometimes it, it becomes really difficult to even define who we are. And that is the question that I raise in terms of what does it mean to be successful? You know, maybe in terms of education and, and what, you know, Western definition of success, I could be whatever anybody can be. I mean, somebody who grew up in a, a small community in Ghana and today is an associate vice president and a dean of a university. I mean, this story is something that is not often time. It's more possible in movies than in reality. So in every definition of sources, yes, I have been. But the question is to my mom in the community, how successful I am when I cannot simply interact with my elders, when I cannot simply draw on my cultural knowledge, my traditional knowledge. It, it, it felt like there is a part of me that I am losing every day. And, and it is a central question that every immigrant has to grapple with in terms of what success really means in this society. So what, uh, kind of going back to, you know, growing up in Ghana, I mean, what brought you to Canada? What, what why Newfoundland? <laughs> okay. So let me start with my story. Uh, when I finished the University of Ghana, I, you know, I did, I worked, you know, uh, for some time and then I felt the need to, uh, you know, continue my education. And uh, I got admission to University of Toronto. Now, the question is why Toronto? Because uh, one of my chief uh, in the person of uh, Professor Day, I know Professor Day is, a, you know, one of the, so it's not just an elder, but a chief in my community in Ghana. And so it was easier for me to decide to come to uh, uh, Canada through his support. So I gained admission to U of T, did both my master's and PhD there. And so when I was finishing my PhD, I was looking for a place, you know, to work, you know, for tenure track position. And I, the first job that I, I got a sense that it was available 
was Memorial University, where there was tenure track position. Uh, and that is the interesting thing about my story. It was the first job I applied when I finished U of T. It's the first job I got interviewed, and it is the first job I got hired. So, you know, my story, unlike maybe others who have to try several jobs before or apply several jobs, it didn't apply to me. Well, when I came here, the first time I came, I just fell in love with the province. And for several reasons, part of it is I saw a huge opportunity emerging, in particular for my area of you know, uh, scholarship and activism. As I've always mentioned, my focus has always been on anti-Black racism, uh, social justice, and indigenization. And so here is a province that, because of the offshore uh, oil drilling, there was an emerging immigrant population. And not just the immigrants, there were a lot of immigrants coming from Nigeria. And there are also international students coming from Ghana and other, you know, in the Caribbean. And also because of the nursing program, there were nurses that were coming. But then when I look at in terms of the general scholarship at Memorial University, I felt there was a missing gap, gaps that focus on dealing with these immigrants. Because as I, have, I keep saying, when immigrants come, it's not just the bodies that are coming. They are carrying with them their culture, their value system, their tradition, which impart the kind of questions, the new questions, and the new needs that they are bringing. And so how we prepare social work students to be able to understand the unique cultural context these immigrants bring with them and the kind of emerging questions that require an answer is very you know very important but that is the difference between newfoundland and many big cities in the sense that we have an opportunity as a province to learn from where other big cities like toronto you know vancouver uh, uh you know and even to some extent you know uh you know, uh, uh, you know, Halifax, you know, because we, this is a place where an immigrants of color, the population is just emerging. So we need to know how institutions and structures have to function, come up with a workable solution so that it will do not wait till it become a problem before we start looking for answers. So I felt like, okay, this is a new grounds and this is a new territory to launch my scholarship in a way that will have a very meaningful impact. Uh, being the only university in the province also make it easier. I have constant interaction with ministers, uh, with policymakers. Some of them happen to be a student that you are you know, dealing with. So you know that whatever you are teaching, whatever you are doing is having direct impact. And in many ways, you find yourself as you you are not just, just a small fish in a big pond, but you are a fish that feel like you are contributing to what is happening within the pond. And so, you know, it's it's a decision that I have never regretted. You know, that I remember some years ago there was opportunity for me to take a look at, you know, some jobs in Toronto and nothing inspired me to that. Why would I do that? When, when I know that my work is making a direct impact. So, yes, uh, believe it or not, Newfoundlands have a very uh, tempt, you know, tempting ways of seducing individuals to be part of this community that once you come to love it, it's difficult to leave. And maybe there's a reason why we are an island. 
even if you want to leave, we won't just let you leave easily. Yeah. Well, we love that you're here in Atlantic Canada, Paul, and that you didn't yeah. choose, you know, the big flashy cities and that you, you know, you chose to be here. We thank you so much for spending time with us, uh, with, with our podcast and just appreciate this so much. I could talk to you all day. Uh, you are very wise and have much great wisdom and experience. So I, I really appreciate you giving us the time today. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Paul, and thank you for watching. Our guest is uh, presented by My East Coast Experience Media and RBC. We will be back in just two weeks, joined by another very special guest. Uh, if you don't want to miss any episodes, you can subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on MyEastCoastExperience.com, Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and YouTube. And of course, you can follow My East Coast Experience online on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you again for joining us. Thanks again, Paul. And we hope to see you for our next episode of Our Guest Is. Thank you very much for having me. Bye.